It's the 25th of October. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, 25th. <laughs> it's the big kickoff. There's no David Buggle here. Glenn, what you do with him? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's suitable for the radio. Um, he's over in Orlando at Disneyland, so yeah. I think he's gone over with the with the family. But uh, he's not here tonight, anyhow. Yeah. Who have we um, got on tonight? We have myself, obviously. I'm, ba- I'm back after my hiatus last weekend. <laughs> uh, and we also have uh, Kieran Burke from the Between the Stripes. We do, League of Ireland podcast, because we're coming to the end of the League of Ireland now, all, all but finished, um, uh, yeah. apart from the, 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 the cup finals cup being final. fixed, obviously, uh, and yeah. uh, the league is finished tomorrow night, isn't that right? Tomorrow night is the final night. Final night, and then the playoff, when is that playoff? I think it's this weekend. I well. think it's the first leg is this weekend, yeah, and, and the second leg is during the week next during week, week yeah, so a course between Finn Harps and Dr- Limerick. Yeah, sorry. God, you want to get your game, get your game, get your, your, it's pressure here because he has to play a song, so he's under fierce pressure. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, you picked today's song, so what song are you picking? Uh, I picked Oh What A Night by uh, Clock. Okay, shoot. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Joining us on the line from the excellent podcast Between the Stripes League of Ireland is Kieran Bork to talk about all things wonderful and woeful in Irish football. Kieran, welcome back to the big kickoff. Kieran. Kieran. There you are. Hey, that's all right. I was getting panicky after the last time, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Listen. Uh, there's only one place to start here on the new Bowes jersey the away jersey for 2019 what do you make of it? Uh, definitely not for me yeah, you won't see myself or John wearing that on our podcast <laughs> next year but uh, from a marketing perspective absolutely fantastic from Bohemians I mean you just, you just have to look at the publicity and uh, everything that's, that's come with it in the last 48 hours or so it's, it's literally gone all over the world and I think we, realistically we could be seeing people buying this jersey all over the world um, with O'Neill's distribution deals as well I'm sure this is going to be a huge success for Bowes and uh, I know obviously their under-19s were playing in, in Europe last night in Delhi Park and there was almost uh, one and a half thousand people there which is which is a great crowd and uh, I know there was a lot of talk about the jersey there last night so it, it's been excellent from a marketing point of view uh, Yeah obviously uh, 22,000 units is what um, I heard has been sold already which in six hours they uh, outsold all of their other away jerseys did in a season 
So yeah, I, personally, I, I'm a, I'm a care on this one. I think the jersey to look at is woeful, but <laughs> it's great market. Well, I, I think here on when you look at the market, we've talked about and probably criticised League of Ireland teams before for not doing enough to promote themselves and to, to make people aware that they're there. Uh, I, I was baffled by the Bob Marley thing. I only realised after he played a gig there. But I think Phil Lynn played there as well. But uh, I think Soccer AM had it. I think it was all over the Spanish newspapers. It was in Brazil. So, I mean, they've done something right there. And they're actually doing something right within the club itself with uh manager getting a new three-year contract as well. Yeah, I think it's fair to say Bowes are on the up at the moment. They, they've had a very good season. Maybe their league position doesn't... Um doesn't show that but they, they had a little, little spell in the mid-season where they just lost their form and only for that I think they were much higher up in the league they had that great run to the FEI Cup semi-final and I think only for that controversial penalty decision in the first game against Cork I think it would probably be Bowes that would be lining out the Aviva next Sunday um, but from a, a club point of view the crowds have, have come back again the atmosphere around Dalymount Park is fantastic they're still in the Iron Brew Cup as well so there could be some silverware on the way and as you mentioned Keith Long signed a new three year deal today so it, it does seem to be the place to be at the moment does. Something I wanted to talk to you about for a while is the situation between the FAI and the League of Ireland clubs which they don't allow share highlights of the games online can you give us a bit of background on this and what your thoughts are? Yeah, so for anyone that wouldn't be familiar with how the League of Ireland TV deal works, it's not really a TV deal because the clubs don't get a cent out of it, so I wouldn't even call it a TV deal. But basically, the likes of RT and Air Sport, they're the two main broadcasts of the show League of Ireland games. When, when they're buying the rights for the international games, the, the senior Ireland games, the FEI package the domestic games with that. So really they've been forced to show uh, the domestic football, so you can see why maybe they're not that interested in it now in fairness to air they do fantastic production work when they're putting it together really is professional but I'm sure everyone knows with RTE's coverage they'll come on five minutes before kickoff and they'll end five minutes after it's really quite poorly put together um, so that's that's the main probably problem with the, the TV deal it's the companies aren't really showing it because they want to it's, it's more of a necessity really and it's not really of benefit to the clubs the current structure at the moment is it? No, because as you said there, with, with the TV deal then, the clubs are not allowed to show highlights uh, until after a Monday night when Soccer Republic, the, the highlight show, is showing the, the highlights. So straight away, if, if a screamer goes in, like we've seen in that cup semi-final, uh, when Bohemian scored a goal from 40 yards and it went viral, uh, lucky enough, because that was an FEI Cup game and it was on the television, they were able to immediately put that up. But had that been a Friday league game, they would have had to wait till the Monday when all the buzz was gone and they would have lost all chance of any publicity out of that. So from a marketing point of view, it's an absolute disaster for clubs. Yeah, and it seems, it seems logical to sort of biff-feed fans and give them the little snippets. As you said, we, we see a lot from the Premier League, we see a lot from... Uh, Spain and Germany where as you said top goals go in or big incidents happen and we can see it in an instant and uh, we're not seeing that with it. It, it it gives that publicity to those leagues that our league doesn't get yeah, I think the great example there is the NBA at the moment the basketball in America they're very very active on social media you can nearly watch full games you can watch full games on Twitter and uh, I was reading their piece today where their viewing figures uh, and both attendance figures have skyrocketed in the last two years because of that. So it's definitely a route the FEI need to, to look to go down. Yeah. Uh, a bit of good news for the league was the project announced for both Finn Harps and the Bowes and Shelbourne partnership. What do you make of those? Yeah, well, the Finn Harps one has been a long, long time coming. The work started on that ground many years ago, but 
red tape and, and money running dry there um, held the whole thing up but it looks like it's finally going to properly get kickstarted now and, and be finished I think the the date set is around 2021 so that would be fantastic it's a 12 million euro uh, development it's going to be called the Donegal Stadium uh, as for Daily Man, we all know that's going to be totally redeveloped it won't look anything like the current ground uh, the pitch itself is going to be flipped 90 degrees and uh, there's going to be uh, facilities put in there for the community as well so I know Shell fans aren't happy about the move to Dennymount Park but from a Bohemian's perspective uh, as we said there with everything that's going on off the pitch this is I suppose the icing on the cake really for them but I think in fairness the Shell's fans mightn't be too happy but they will be probably going to a, a better facility seems that um, Talca Park is slowly falling apart yeah, undoubtedly it's a, it will be a better facility, but I suppose their fear is, especially if they're not in the Premier Division, how can they keep the fans they have and attract new fans? So it, it's a difficult time for Shelburne at the moment. It is. Well, they're going to just have to think along the lines yeah. of Inter Milan and, and AC Milan, I suppose. Ground sharing has worked in other countries, so... It has worked when both teams are at the top of their game, you know, and, and their rivals in, in, in their city. Bows and Shells, I'd say... For Bowes, the Shelburne Derby is probably down the bottom of the list. You know, there, there's no rivalry between. You know, everything for Bowes is beating Rovers. Everything for Shells at the moment is getting back to the Premier Division, and they really are struggling with that. Mm. And I, I think if they were to get to the Premier Division before this stadium was finished, it would be better for them than it, if they were still in the First Division. But I, I don't see this working in in the League of Ireland. I don't see that particular ground sharing working there's just something about it that I don't think it's been fully thought through OK Karen, what do you think? Well I'd, I'd ask what the alternative is as you said Tolka Park is on its last legs mm. uh, Shelburne have been stuck in the first division for many years but there's been real positives this year for Shells there's new investment off the field uh, that allowed them to bring in some top class players Premier Division players uh, the likes of Karen Moore Greg Morehouse Paddy Kavanagh have all come in they missed out on promotion to the playoffs very very unlucky to go out uh, to draw it on a penalty shootout um, obviously Owen Heary paid for, with his job for that they're looking now Tim Clancy the draw the manager they're looking to get him in obviously compensation will be have to pay it, so there's a long way to go before that happens but on the field and off the field things are looking brighter at Shelburne but this situation with the stadium it's always going to be I suppose a cloud a question mark hanging over the club until we see it happen and, and just know how exactly it is going to work Yeah, um, Both the League of Ireland divisions now are I suppose all but finished how do you think the league has compared to I suppose recent league campaigns? Yeah well the big difference this year of course was the change in structure to 10 team divisions I think for the first division it was fantastic it was a breath of fresh air it was an ultra competitive division every game up until the end of the season had something riding on it and with the playoffs uh, still underway they've been hugely exciting just have to look at that game recently at Tolka Park between Shells and Drogheda it was an absolute thriller and it's, it's a real shame those playoff games are never uh, broadcast live on television yeah. um, in terms of the Premier Division the fixtures were a disaster this year. The FEI got totally wrong in front-loading the fixtures. There was too many games early on in the season. And then when the second half of the season came round, it's a stage of the season where things should only be getting going, but it already felt like the main part of the season had gone. Uh, there was a lot of player burnout as well, a lot of little niggly injuries picking up uh, at clubs. So that's something they're going to have to address. But overall, I would say that the two 10-team divisions have been a success. OK, and... Uh, just generally on summer football, do you think summer football is is uh, comfortable with the League of Ireland and vice versa? Yeah, it, 
it's an argument you do hear coming up a lot, but I think over the last few years it's one that's starting to slowly go away. I think people are finally settling in now to the summer football aspect of things. I mean, you just have to look at the weather conditions we deal with in this country, and you have to remember we don't have a, the vast majority of clubs we don't have full-time ground staff yeah. so there's no way the pitches would be in any sort of playing condition uh, if we were to play winter football I think we'd see way too many games called off and with the fixture calendar already as congested as it is that would be just a complete disaster so I think summer football is the way to go forward and obviously in terms of competing in Europe it does aid our clubs slightly Look, I'd agree with that there you know, the summer fixtures I, from going to League of Ireland matches I see a lot of uh, small groups of German uh, supporters, Italian supporters, uh, Spanish supporters, the odd time, even some Austrian, Polish, Ukrainian supporters in and around the grounds, especially in the summer months. And uh, I feel it does kind of bump up the attendances. You know, there's nothing better than going out and watching football five minutes down from your house on a, a nice sunny Friday evening or Saturday afternoon. And you know, I think it does attract a lot of supporters from around Europe and. It's it's good publicity for the clubs and the league, and I think the league itself should and the FAO should capitalise more on these summer matches and uh, you know up the uh, advertisement, especially for the summer months, mm-hmm. because it does attract more people during the summer than during the winter. Care I think, on it. I think the the summer football has probably hit the rural clubs harder. In, in all honesty, yeah. um, you just have to look at Longford here, for example. I know. The, the main part of the season where attendance has always seemed to drop is when the, the club champ- Gaelic football championship kicks off down here it really does uh, attendance is there obviously then you have people going away on summer holidays kids are off school there's other options out there for them to do so that's when you do see attendance actually go down so I do think it's hit the rural clubs harder than the, the Dublin clubs but that's a, a great point you do see uh, tourists going to a lot of games in the summer so it's a, it's a two-sided coin, I suppose. You don't get too many Germans down around Longford now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Listen, uh, first division, obviously we talked about UCD four and their f- type of football they play. Uh, Finn Harps, if Finn Harps got into the Premier Division, what could they offer that they didn't offer the last time? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to know because at the end of the day, it, all, it does all come down to finances and I know that's a very pessimistic way of looking at things but that's the way football has gone, the modern game, even here in the League of Ireland. Uh, the clubs that have it will be up at the top and the clubs that don't will be towards the bottom. So I suppose it'll come down to recruitment again and what Ollie Horton, if they do go up, can get in for the very little bit of money he does have at his uh, disposal there. Yeah, we talked to Jack Chu, someone who you had on your show before here last uh, last week, wasn't it? The week before. Yeah, and week, we yeah. were talking about uh, UCD. Uh, he, of course, applauded their style of football. But again, he was someone who thought that the team might be decimated uh, by the lure of maybe a, a Dundalk or a Cork trying to, to nab their players. Could, could you see that happening? Um, the noise is coming out of UCD at the moment. I don't think that's going to be the case this time around. Uh, with the scholarship system they have there, obviously players are there for an education. So um, if offers do come in, will they lose that scholarship? You know, there's a lot of ifs and buts about it. Uh, obviously, they did lose Georgie Kelly this year, but uh, mm. the, uh, they seem to just get players coming through there the whole time that they can just step into the first team immediately. Um, obviously, their underage teams and their college teams all play the same brand of football. So, UCD are probably a bit unique in terms of that, but uh, it is an issue for clubs coming up from the first division. Galway United, Saudi Arabia, never happened. What, what went on there? Yeah, it was a strange one. Um, 
obviously they're a co-op so they're owned by the fans uh, it took a long time for that situation to, to, to come about so immediately when this news came in of uh, outside investment a lot of people were saying well they've fought so hard to get control of that club it's a bit strange that they'd, they'd let it go now but the noises that were coming out about what type of money that would be put in and the future and pushing for European football it's, it's obviously attractive for fans they voted on it and allowed uh, discussions to take place but it just seemed to go cold after that um, there definitely isn't going to be a takeover now and with the season they had on the pitch which was absolutely woeful you'd worry for Galway uh, mm. it's a long time without football five months it's hard to keep the interest going crowds really dropped off towards the end of the season and uh they have a big job on their hands there now if they're going to get themselves in any sort of shape next season to compete for promotion. And they've always been a club a bit like, I suppose, the Finn Harps and the UCDs who would get relegated and bounce straight back. Uh, doesn't seem to be that bounce back ability uh, in the club now at the moment, does there? That's a very hard league to get out of. You just yeah. have to look at some of the names in the division to, to see that, especially a club like Shells. I know they were up... Uh, 2011 they were promoted under Alan Matthews but they went back down in 2013 and they haven't been back since so it's a very very tough league to get out of um, Galway's recruitment it seemed to be good at, when you looked at it on paper but once you went out and watched the side you've seen a lot of the players uh, fitness issues uh, there didn't seem to be any real shape to the team Shane Keegan went as manager earlier in the season he was replaced by uh, Murphy and he doesn't seem to have got any extra kick out of that team so uh, it, it's going to be a huge off season for Galway now to see can they rebuild because it was a disastrous season Yeah, you, you're you're well involved or a big fan as well but Longford Town what's the ins and outs of Longford Town what, what, what is the, where can Longford Town go? Well they were very unlucky not to make the playoffs this season uh, a very very young team so I think when the season started, the feeling was if Longford could just sneak into that fourth position, it would be a successful season. Unfortunately, uh, they lost the second last game of the season against Drogheda. They had a 1-0 lead in Drogheda, but ended up losing 2-1. Uh, and that allowed Drogheda to just sneak back into that, that final promotion place. Uh, injuries and suspension killed Longford in the end of the season. Um, the, the squad just became totally threadbare. But overall, the brand of football Neil Fenn is playing, the crowds have picked up, there's a great buzz around the club, off the field, uh, the social media and all the marketing has really, really picked up in the last couple of seasons. So there's a good feeling around Longford at the moment now and fans are just hoping that they can hold the majority of players from this season, add a little bit of, I suppose, of steel around the side. I think that's what was missing with such a young team. They were missing the likes of uh, a Stephen Rice there in midfield just to, to get control and, and see out games in that situation where you're 1-0 up with a few minutes to go and uh, that could be the difference next season between promotion and another year in the first division uh, Yeah I was just going to touch on you were saying like strength in the midfield and you know the, a, a good young team and personally for me Dylan McGlade off uh, Longford was my first division player of the year I just I, I thought he, he he excelled in the first division this year like he, he would definitely have been my uh, player of the year so who would you put down on paper as your like player of the year in the first division yeah just on Dylan it's a strange one because he was with Longford last season under Alan Matthews and he, he didn't look up to much in all honesty uh, he went away to, to England then and played in the non-leagues over there for a while he came back uh, a couple of games into this season and I know myself and my co-host John we had a bit of a, a joke with Neil Fenn a couple of months ago we, we, we were asking him why have you brought back Dylan he didn't look up to much last season and Fenn said we can turn this guy into a player and he definitely proved us wrong anyway um, he's been excellent this season I wouldn't expect him to be with Longford next year given his performances uh, in terms of a first division player of the year obviously Georgie Kelly with what he'd done while he was at UCD you'd have to 
look at him. I think you're probably looking at most of the UCD players here. Liam Scales at, at centre half was excellent. Uh, their two midfielders, uh, Darrow O'Connor and uh, Gary O'Neill, were superb as well. So I think a first division player deal would have to come from the champions because they were just uh, so impressive this season. Yeah, go move on to the Premier Division and Dundalk. Well, cruised away at the end. How good were Dundalk this year, and how disappointing were you in Cork the way the season ended for them? even say they won it in the end or that it, how it ended for Cork it was, it was won a long way out in all honesty uh, Dundalk were really a class above everyone else in the league this year um, I was at the President's Cup game the very first game of the year between Dundalk and Cork and Dundalk went out and they dominated the first half but Cork made a couple of changes at half time Shepard most notably came on and absolutely terrorised Dundalk down in Norio Park they ended up winning that one 4-2 and I was so so excited for the title race we had ahead that year because Cork really looked like they were going to offer something this year obviously they lost Shawnee Maguire but they just seem to have a real explosive nature to that team obviously we all know the dark style of play they like to get it down and pass but when I seen Cork earlier in the season it looked like they were going to be direct but at the same time not playing aimless long balls it was going to be almost the kind of football you've seen under Fergie at Man United if yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. but it just never materialised uh, they just seemed to go very very direct teams eventually copped onto that uh, the goals of Graham Cummins dried up, whereas the Dock were just, they had a slow start, but they were slowly tipping along, tipping along. Hooban was starting to bang the goals in, and once he started, he wasn't going to stop. The likes of McElhenney came back into the team then. We all know what a player he is. Yeah. And obviously, they've, they've had Michael Duffy out on the wing, who's been simply unplayable all season. The Dock look a class ahead. With the budget cut coming next season at Cork, you'd have to worry there could be a couple of years of Dun- Dundalk dominance now. Yeah, and Dundalk, how did they make their team better if they're so far ahead? And they've also got the backing. Yeah, they have the backing. Um, Duffy wasn't as impressive last season. He's, he's just totally stepped his game up. And a lot of that goes down to Stephen Kenny. You just have to look at the players he's worked with over the years. Players come to Dundalk and they come to a club that Stephen Kenny has managed. And they, he always improves the players he has. I mean, you look at Dylan Connolly this season, he was getting awful stick early on in the season off his own supporters. Now, he hasn't been fantastic by any stretch of the imagination, but he's improved a lot. That goes down to Stephen Kenny. You just look at players that have come into the team over a number of years, like Robbie Benson coming up from UCD. He's become one of their main men. Uh, that signing of Georgie Kelly, he's looking to do the exact same there. He's looking, he's signing him with potential. And obviously we've mentioned Patrick Hoob and he, he could be breaking a record this weekend if he scores against Bohemians. He's been a revelation since he came back. So I think that's been the big difference maker, really. Yeah. Uh, I have a thing wrote down here in front of me. Teams that disappointed. I had Cork City in there, but I also have Shamrock Rovers. Finished towards 62 points, so that's 24 points off the lead. Um, what, what do you make of the Shamrock Rovers situation and the Stephen Bradley situation? He's been, they've been very patient with him, haven't they? chat on our podcast last night about Shamrock Rovers this season and obviously they've had a great run towards the end of the year and that always seems to be the case when the pressure is off so what we were asking last night is when their pressure is on next season can Rovers do this can they close that gap on the top two I think the big issue for Rovers this season obviously at the start of the year they had goalkeeping issues but that's been solved now with Alan Manis coming in uh, the back four looks to finally a bit, bit more steady now midfield uh, Dylan Watts has been a fantastic addition in the second half of the season the big problem for that side is the lack of a striker. Daniel Carr chipped in here and there, but he hasn't been consistent. I think by all reports, Gary Shaw is probably on his way out of the club. Mm. So Rovers now really need to go and sign someone like a Patrick Hoob, and that's going to get them 20-plus goals, but they're not easily found. 
Um, obviously, on our clubs that disappoint, uh, way down in seventh, we have uh, Derry City. Obviously, you know, it, it kind of everything went wrong for Derry after they got knocked out of Europe, and then Nicky Lowe con- uh, confirmed he's leaving the club again yesterday. Um, now, what what would you say was the problem in Derry City? We had a great chat on, on Derry last night because Kenny Shields has been um, a hot topic this week. He, he gave an interview to the BBC where he was, uh, let's not say, he wasn't too kind to the journalist asking a couple of, uh, of questions and he ended up walking out of the interview. And it's not the first time something like that has happened this season with Kenny. He certainly, uh, let's say, he doesn't hold back in his, his media pieces. But um, yeah, it's been a very, very poor league season for Derry. They've had 18 league defeats down in seventh now, as you mentioned. I know they won the League Cup. Uh, but the league is your bread and butter and, and the way they performed in Europe as well was atrocious uh, the atmosphere just seems to be a lot of negativity around that club at the moment the fans don't seem happy with the manager and the board uh, although the board do seem like they're going to stick with Kenny Shields so uh, I'd be very worried for Derry next season I think they could lose a lot of players again in the off season well listen tell us where everyone can hear your podcast because uh I've been listening to your podcast quite a bit and uh, if, you're, if you're a League of Ireland fan, uh, they should be listening now because the guests are brilliant and uh, the interviews have been uh, great. Uh, where can they listen to Between the Stripes? Yeah, you can get uh, Between the Stripes LOI podcast. It's, it's pretty much on every podcast platform at this stage. Uh, the main ones though are iTunes, Audioboom, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, all your usual ones. If you just search Between the Stripes LOI podcast on whatever platform you use, you'll find us. And uh, we're also, you can get the podcast on our website, which is betweenthestripes.ie. There's a load of great articles on there recently as well about the likes of Martin O'Neill and, and the Dundalk and their dominance this season. So uh, I'd encourage your listeners to give that to give that a check out. Brilliant, Karen. Oh, I nearly forgot to say, you have dived into the world of American football. No. <laughs> no? Is it gone? Oh, I'm going to give it a go, but uh, decided to go back into the world of football coaching now, so taking over... Uh, the Arda under-14s here in Longford with my co-host John and uh, first game of the weekend there picked up a, a 2-2 draw coming back from behind twice so a bit of resilience in our side that's what you like to see oh, We're going to have to keep an eye out for you now see, see what, what kind of role y- you play there Listen, thanks very much Ciarán and I'm sure we'll talk again soon Lads, super stuff Thanks, thanks very, very much. much Talk to you, bye, bye. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM and welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. It's 087 062 7138 if you want to text us in. Again, we're on our social media. And the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Bit of breaking news. Uh, yeah, breaking news. Uh, Conor Byrne, uh, he's a bit of a, he, not a bit, he is a legend around the uh, the League of Ireland, he made 511 appearances and he will finish off his tally with 512 appearances. Now, uh, he he started off with a, a Sporting Fingal and it all went wrong up in Sporting Fingal, we know. So, uh, uh, Sporting Fingal Great to Shells. Great club. <laughs> and then <laughs> Shells to Pats. He made over 250 appearances for Pats and now he really, obviously I am slightly biased, but... Uh, you just have to look at the stats. Uh, he really did shine under Pats, and you know he he really made a name for himself alongside Chris Forrester in the twenty thirteen season. And you know it was to the surprise of a lot of Pats fans that he stayed at the club throughout like the through throughout the twenty fourteen twenty fifteen season. When you know the results weren't really what Pats fans wanted, and you know uh, 
he was still a star player for the club. But now it's a it's a sad time for for both Pats and for the leagues. He he really has, you know, he really has made a name for himself in this league, and it just goes to show that you know you really can. He's now he he does the the greatest league in the world podcast. So the FAO have recognised his his knowledge of of the sport and of the league. Good and. Paddy McCart, as I just said to you just before that, he has announced that he will probably be playing his last games in the playoff games against Limerick. So a couple of good players who, I suppose, had a good stretch in their careers, uh, maybe, maybe moving on to a coaching uh, element now. Because what else do you do? Huh? What yeah. else do you do? Okay, we had the uh, Champions League on this week. And uh, what game do you want to kick off with? Uh, well, we're we're still talking about Ireland, so I think we'll kick off with uh, the UEFA Youth League. Okay, well. yeah, uh, sorry about Bowes, yeah. We'll jump in with Bowes now. Uh, Bowes, they lost 40 on aggregate to FC Michelin. Good they crowd. Lost, uh, yeah, it was 1,400 and something. Uh, uh, where was I? You were talking about the game. I was talking about the match, yeah. They, lo- they lost 40 on aggregate, uh, 2-1 on the night. Ali Regbell opened the scoring from the penalty spot for them, and, you know, it just kind of... What what you would have expected the better team won on the night. Um, that's no disrespect to Bowes. It's a that's an absolutely great achievement for the league and for for Bowes. And uh, you now Ali Regbit again putting his name out, and he has had an absolutely outstanding uh, season with Bowes on the nineteens. And you now I'm I'm very happy with you know Bowes this week as a supporter of the League of Ireland, they really have put their name out there and put the league's name out there and you know uh, bravo to to Bowes and, yeah, and, and to that, I think the way their club is run. I, I was listening to um a couple of the the big wigs or if you want to call it the, the lads at the board who sit around the table and they're not really big wigs because I think they're run by the the, the fans yeah, now the fans. anyhow. So but it they just made sense in everything they said. They're talking about the new stadium. Uh they said 6,000 people might scoff at it a little bit. Why didn't we go 10? Why didn't we go 12? But we said it didn't make sense to have a 10 or 12,000 stadium and not being able to fill it. So you will have 6,000 and they'll be able to fill them game, you know, fill that stadium up with great atmosphere. Uh, it definitely for uh, probably four of the teams in the league and, 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 and three quarters full maybe for the rest of them so it makes sense get the atmosphere going so yeah they're, they're thinking logically now where they were, yeah. they were on their knees at one stage so yeah. they need to think things log- logically and uh, they're going the right way about it so far so and it's good to see you know that little bit of uh, football highlights of you know the youth league, which yeah. we don't normally see. So that's starting to. I do. I, there is positives coming out of League of Ireland. There is, and a, a lot of positives are actually coming from our underage setup. We, yeah. we do have. You know, we badmouth the FAI quite a lot. You know, of their neglect of the league and uh, their, their neglect of the the game in general. But they really do have the underage setup down to a T in this country, and you know, it, it it's starting to show now. Champions League. Champion, the, the 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 proper Champions League. <laughs> um, well, let's go on to uh, Manchester City first of all, because Manchester City away to Shakhtar Donetsk. You do see this time and time again with Manchester City, where they go away to someone like Shakhtar Donetsk and lose. So to go away to keep a clean sheet first of all, and to win three uh, nil, it's probably. I know Manchester City should be winning these games, but they don't always. Yeah, it's just it's it's a very hostile uh, environment when you go around. Uh, 
today's clubs like Shakhtar Donetsk, like Hoffenheim, like Red Star Belgrade. Now, it is a very hostile atmosphere and you know, it does get to a lot of players. So a 3-0 win in, uh, a sh- against away to Shakhtar Donetsk is a, a very good result, as you were saying. You know, again, bonus points for keeping that clean sheet and you know, just keeping focus on the match. So it, it's a, a, a credit to Pep Guardiola for keeping his players focused and a, a not so easy atmosphere to play in. And no matter what, it just seems seamless. No matter what player is put into that team and they are rotated no matter what player Sané come in for Sterling Sterling be Bernardo Silva David Silva you know the players are getting swapped to change Aguero for Jesus midfield players are getting swapped around but they all seem to go in seamlessly there doesn't seem to be that kind of stop start with them they just flow and there's that confidence there even obviously Manchester City are set up to outscore other teams yeah, right. and and they do and they do it really really well. I mean, they they go to Premier League teams like Huddersfield and Cardiff, and they'll stick five by these teams. They they're ruthless when they come to the, to those teams. You know, you very rarely see them see winning one nil against them teams. So they are ruthless about what they do. But just looking at them this year in the Champions League, I think this year there's a possibility because they're they're doing things a little different this year. They're not struggling as much even in the league they're not struggling when Guardiola went and he went slightly defensive against Liverpool but it was with a knowledge of well this is the game we normally lose so they're looking at the games now and I don't think they're being as casual as they used to be and like again, it's a I think Pep Guardiola deserves all the respect because you know they have an unlimited budget. Nearly they they buy any they can buy any player they want, and it's a, it is a team full of egos there. And he he's kept them all level headed. He's kept them all grounded, and none of them are you know going off causing scenes like we see across across the city in Ma- Manchester United. Mm. So it's a credit again to Pep Guardiola. Because he can, he seamlessly change, and then no one has come out and say, "I'm not happy. I'm this. I'm that. I'm. I wish this was done this way." You know, he's kept them all happy. He's kept them all in check. And you know, again, credit to what is the best manager in the world at the moment. I think. Mm. Uh, Klopp, what do you make of him, and what do you make of their win last night? Um, it was a good win, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, I watched the whole game, and. Ma- they are like Manchester United are at their peak they were a joy to watch that's what Liverpool are now yeah. and I don't like saying that but they are they're a joy to watch because you know they're going to attack you know that they they work hard for each other but when they get on the ball they're powerful they're dynamic they, they're focused they know what their plan yeah. is you yeah. know they know get the ball into Salah get the ball out to Mane have a go but when Aldum and even Fabiano isn't it Fabiano? Fabinho. 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 I get them yeah, mixed up. The name. But unbelievable last night. He was unbelievable last night. He was brilliant. Him, Wijnaldum has been a oh, breath of fresh air this season. Wijnaldum has grown on me. When Wijnaldum first went to Liverpool, I was like, nah, nah don't, don't rate him. Don't rate him. Don't rate him. Up until this season, and he's kind of just, it's Dick. everything's working for it's him now. And it's, yeah. he, he really is a, a great player for him, especially in the Champions League. Like last yeah. night, he was he was a very good player for them last night. He was essential. Now, when it it's good, you know, you're no longer constantly going back. Oh Jesus! You know, we have, we have Sally. He played in real the front three, but then beside the front three, you're saying, oh, who else was good? You'd say Milner or Henderson. Yeah. Uh, this year, you're kind of going. 
do you know what? Didn't Wijnaldum have a, for a good match last night? Yeah. Or do you know what I thought had a good match? You know, your man at left back, Alexander Arnold, you can literally pick anyone out of that Liverpool and say, do you know what? He's had at least two or three good matches this season. Whereas yeah. last season, you were constantly going back to the same five players saying they're the standout players for Liverpool. Well, and you look at the bench because you, last night Lalana actually came on and Lalana looked sharp for someone who shouldn't look sharp as in but it was more his determination and work rate you could see it in him he wanted to do really well Shakiri started last night again another for 12 million he's an absolute snip because he's a great squad player is he going to play against uh, Manchester City or Chelsea in the in the big games probably not but he's going to play a great role for the yeah. squad which he did last night you know so they've got their squad balance right Sturridge coming Stur- on and Sturridge this season has been the greatest impact sub in pr- in recent Premier League history. I think I've seen maybe apart from Danny Welbeck, who just kind of. Glenn was only born about five years ago, so. <laughs> no, I, I really do. He's just for a player that had such a a lull, you know, a, a career, such a career blight by so many injuries he's had. The past few years have been very hard for him, and he just like that that goal against Chelsea, that was magnificent. Uh, you'd expect that from Ronaldo, Messi, yeah. you know, your Modric's and all this, but not from a player who has played very, very little football over the past two years. Yeah, no, he, well, he definitely he was going he, he was going downhill big time, and he's turned it around. Fair play to him. Dortmund hammered Atletico four 0 That was a surprise. Uh, it's a surprise. Not surprised that they won. It's a surprise by the score that they yeah. won because Dortmund are four points clear in the in the German league, and Munich are fourth in the in the German league at the moment. And you're looking at Dortmund, and you're thinking, okay, right, this this could be interesting. You're looking at Champions League and saying, hold on, this could be interesting. There's a couple of teams in it this year, not just your Real Madrid's because obviously Real Madrid are, are, are struggling. They play, they beat Pilsen two one the other night, but easily could have been beaten the other night and, and they're on such a slump and there's only managers only on borrowed time now at the moment because they, they can't see them sticking with that uh, the, the way their league form is at the moment but there, there's teams there that like obviously Man City Liverpool they have to have a, ha- have a chance this year Dortmund have to have a chance yeah. obviously Barcelona there but Barcelona I know they beat Atletico the night 2-0 but Messi keeps them ticking over he keeps them going you know so uh, I, I, there could be a different winner this year. Could be a different winner I, this year. I think you know. I I really am pleased with Dortmund this year. I think Axel Witzel has been very very good for them, especially in the Champions League. Not so much the league. He's been decent enough, average enough in the league for them. Um, and I this stat, uh, I've seen a stat. Paco Alcacer scored something seven goals in hundred and eighty minutes or something like that. And if he keeps going at the rate he's going, he'll have. Over a hundred goals this season. Yeah. Because he he doesn't he I don't think he started one match I think, um he I don't think he's played a full match. He just he comes off the bench and he scores two goals in the space of ten, fifteen, twenty minutes and, uh, it was a great sign and it was a, it was a gamble that really has paid off for the the crowd over at Dortmund. Yeah, Man United and Juventus, build big build up to this game on Tuesday night, and. Uh, a worse game well it'd be in the top 10 of bad games Juventus got all the plaudits for how they played in the first half Man United got a little bit of I suppose saved face in the second half but there is nothing to Manchester United at the moment they're 
disorganized there's no sh no shape to them there's nothing really there there's no when they were putting pressure on there was not there's no sort of clean efforts shots and goal they're, they're just very very bland team and juventus as much as juventus played manchester united off the park juventus aren't that special now they're probably they, going they, in the they, champions they, league now because i said that yeah. but they just they just i just don't see it in them but, but they were raving about benucci how brilliant he is and, and uh, Cellini uh, of course they kept a clean sheet the other night but I believe a stat over and they've only let in six goals in the Serie A so far Juventus and Benucci's been fall to five of them so sometimes pitchers uh, you know tell you a, a different story Manchester United uh, Juventus can you see United get out of the group and can you see Juventus win the Champions League I can't I I can see Juventus winning the Champions League more so than I can see United getting out of the group and I don't see Juventus winning the Champions League. That's as simple as that. Okay, listen, there was a caller in. This is an interesting one because I wanted to play this. There was a caller in uh, to talk. A Manchester United fan called in to talk sport last night and the talk was, would you have Lukaku or would you take Ronaldo? This is what the talker said. In form, I think Ronaldo struggles at this stage in his career to get in our team. What are you talking think... about, John? Well, who do you want I... up top, Lukaku or Ronaldo? No, obviously right now I want Ronaldo. But right. if everyone's in form, Sanchez is in form, uh, Lukaku's in form, but everyone's playing well, Rashford's in form. Uh, if Lukaku's in form, if Lukaku's flying, who do you want, Lukaku <laughs> or Ronaldo? Lukaku at this stage of his career. Oh, John. <laughs> from, what, from what I saw tonight, the, the instant, the, there's, they're just looking at the two teams without, you know, the, the one... Oh, sorry, sorry, the one sorry, Jay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I'm in shock. I, yeah. genu John, you've actually just said you'd rather have Lukaku than Ronaldo, an informed Lukaku than an informed Ronaldo. It, 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 at this stage in his career, he's not the player he once was. Who? And I think Lukaku, over the next couple of years... Who's, who's, not, the, who's not the player he was? Ronaldo. Even half the player is better than Lukaku. John? Well, John. I, yeah, he's Andy, he's the greatest goal scorer. Of course I am, John, but I'm a realist. Ronaldo's the greatest, probably the greatest goal scorer of all time in, our, in the modern game. And he's still banging them in for fun in Italy. Uh, Italy, though, isn't it? Italy, though. I, I think, I think bringing back into our United team now, I think he would struggle. Got John, how, seriously, how many minutes did you see? Honestly. Three? Because it is sounding silly, John. Oh, John's gone. There you go. <laughs> what do you make of that? Oh, what a gobshire. <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 I don't think he shares that uh, with anyone else in the world. I, I can kind of see where he's coming from, like... Over the next few years, Lukaku is younger than uh, that's his Ronaldo. Only take. But that's it. Ronaldo will but be Ronaldo retired. But Ronaldo is still the fittest. He, he's more fitter than the average twenty-three-year-old professional footballer, and he's thirty-four. He jumps higher than the average NBA player. An NBA player, they jump for a living, <laughs> and he jumps higher than them. I th oh. uh, John's gone. Okay, we'll see you after the break. Tune to Liffey Sound ninety-six point four FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Glenn. Ray. Roy. Oh, how can you <laughs> get me name? 
Did you hear about the fight down in the in the GAA in Kerry? Uh, yeah, and I wonder where Joe Broly is now. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder where he is. The Dingle official who was caught striking a player in the Kerry uh, semi-final replay has been handed a proposed eight-week ban. This tells you everything that is wrong with the GAA. He should have been banned for life. This is laughable calling these people mentors. That's a, a tweet from the coach diary. What, what, what is going on? Obviously, there's more cameras out there now. So this thing called a dust-up. Oh, there was a dust-up at the match. This is where you get a report and a, there was a dust-up at the match. Uh, you don't think it's much. You think it's handbags. But when you actually see it and people are recording it now, they're knocking, there's people getting digs in the head who don't even see the digs coming. What, what did they do with this? Like, an eight-week ban isn't that. They probably won't even have a game for eight weeks. You know, so what is going on? Uh, it's, it's always been around the GA. Like, the, thing, it, the GA is a real community sport. You know, and the, the players on the team, like, they literally do fight for each other. Now, it, it's never just a one-on-one fight in GA. No. And now it's always been around. It's just, nowadays, we see more stuff happens. We just see more of it. Now, and, uh, but there's still no place for it in the game. And I think you have to start with inter-county level because it happens at inter- inter-county yeah, level. Yeah. You have players winding up the likes of, you know, de- your Dermot Connolly and of course they're going to react if you're being wound up for 15 minutes and funny you should say Dermot Connolly Dermot Connolly got 12 weeks for placing his hand on a the, one of the touch judges or, or yeah an official. Or 12 weeks he got for that and he's getting 8 weeks for throwing slaps so where did, how, figure how that works out well you know that's what happens when something a, D- a Dublin player does anything you know they they, they try and make an example out of Dublin players and it, I suppose it's fair enough you know I think Dermot Connolly deserved the 12 weeks the official he probably would have got away with 6 weeks if there was no video mm. he probably would have got away without he, a he just he didn't even he, he just put his hand on you know I know it you're not supposed to put your hand on the t- lines but what I'm saying is is that it doesn't deserve the 12 if you if, if fighting and punching only deserves an eight week ban yeah well, you know? I, I, and if I, you're a mentor if you're someone who's supposed to be looking after the club someone to be looked up at it, it's just it doesn't you're not a role model there, none. there should be a long a year life whatever it is they have to stamp down there because it's getting out they of hand do, they now. do and again I'm going to bring Joe Broly back into this, you know, where Joe Broly's saying, oh, it's a barbaric sport. The MMA is a barbaric sport. Mm. Stepping into the cage and taking lumps out of each other. And the day after that, or two days after that, all, all my Twitter was just full of Joe Broly being tagged in you know, a, a fight in a GAA match. And then again, this week, it was like, oh, what do you think about this one, Joe Broly? And mm. th- there is a serious, serious um, conduct problem in the GA there is, that yeah. they need to um, look at it look, come here I know I play GA I know how frustrating the sport gets and I know I don't have a problem with you know you always get the old push and the old pull of a jersey and the player getting that's dragged fine. into the that's fine that's round. an all, that's that an all is, contact that's in every sport yeah. and 
especially in GAA where it's such a, a fierce sport it's such a fast but the, it sport. seems to be allowed in GAA are, are seen by the players that once that happens that you're allowed to go on to the next stage and throw slaps yeah. and you won't there's, there's no you won't get done for it where if you're playing football or you know whatever other sport that you rugby you know that there's a line and if you go over that line you're going to have to accept a big punishment yeah there doesn't seem to be that there with the GAA so it's off, that's why it's happening more often yeah. than not there, there, there is no big punishment no, no one goes chasing after the GAA because mm. there, there's, there's two people in Ireland there's the people that are in awe of the GAA and think it's the perfect association and there's the people that can see right through the GAA and can see all its flaws yeah now that there is very few people in the middle ground that you know you either criticize or yeah. are in awe of the GAA and everything about them and I think that's why they get away with it yeah. because every organization has the the people that criticize them so they can just play it down and goes oh well they're just the people that don't like our organization they don't like the way we do our stuff and then they but look you know you can look at this person here who you know who were the were the, were the the prime, the, the the prime example of you know the the best association in the world. And I I just I think they get away with a bit too much. It's both the players and the GAA county boards in official. I think they just they, they take the proposed real changes. Yeah, they shouldn't be fo- focusing on marks, no. hops, sidelines, no. and all they're this. Ser- they're serious. There's, things there's serious problems. Um. We'll leave that because that's another day. But it's probably a good thing that these are being documented on video because it highlights it a lot more. Uh, Graham Soonis was on the other night and I thought I found this very interesting. Uh, he was talking at length, but this is only a clip, at length about uh, management when he was in management and some of the regrets that he had. One of the biggest mistakes I made, Peter Robinson paid me an enormous... He, he ran the show, he was a, the chief exec, secretary, but really chief exec, made all the decisions. He said to me, do you want to do the contracts? Now, I'd done the contracts at Rangers. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll do those. And that was a, a monster mistake because I can remember one incident. We signed Dean Saunders, Mark Wright, and they had gone on to whatever they were earning, slightly more than what Rushy and Ronnie Whelan. And I remember Rushy knocking on the door and said, you're going to have to give me more money. And, and I said, well, I understand what you're saying. That. I said, but, you know, the money is just sneaking up and sneaking up. They've come on big transfer fees. That's where they're getting more money than you. He said, but everything I've done for this club. Now, that might have been a Wednesday or a Thursday. And I'm, I'm not to say to Rushy, well, that's the way it is. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. That's the way it is. And then on a Saturday, put my arm around him at quarter to three and say, no, make sure you give me everything now. Mm. So that, that, was a, that was an obvious mistake I made. You can see why they bring in directors of football or chief executives and stuff like someone else to handle the, the transfer because that's a, it's a valid point, isn't it? It is, yeah. If you can't so satisfy a player with their contracts, then how can you turn around and tell them, listen, give me your all at the weekend? So I'd say yeah, there's a lot of things in, 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 in the football management world that you need to experience before you actually truly understand it. Yeah, and I think like it goes both ways. Uh, I think it's better off a player dealing with a director of football because if you go up to the manager and say, I want my money, and he's like, not hope, mm. and you and I am, you're, you're out with a team just for asking for a bit more money. Yeah. Uh, well, not that these people need to ask for a bit more money, but the, <laughs> the majority of them don't. But, you know, if you're talking down in Le- League 1, League 2, where the budgets aren't massive, they're more 
um, acceptable budgets, uh, acceptable budgets. So maybe even a bit on the you know, the, the smaller sides, the smaller side to, especially in England, to rise up the leagues. But you know, I think the director of football, when you start saying it originally, I was kind of look. Well, that's just pointless. That's just oh well, this fella's a club here. We'll give him a job at the club. Mm, you know. Yeah. But now I am starting to see more and more and more of it. And, I like the idea of the director of football because as well as that, they're not on the sideline week in, week out. They're they're back in the stands and they're taking in the, the, the whole match and they can see, they can pinpoint the problem. Yeah. Because if a manager has signed this player and he spent a, a good bit of money on him and he, he's coaxed him to come to the club, he's not going to own up and say you know what, maybe, I sh- maybe I shouldn't have done that and maybe I'll replace him but if you have a director of football down and say well you know, I know we brought in a left mid but he's, he's, he's very poor I think we need another left mid or a, a backup or someone that's going to push him although does that not come with an assistant manager is that not a role of assistant manager to, to stand back and kind of look at a player and go oh, listen boss this is not working here uh, well I, especially in Ireland a lot of assistant managers are actually director of football as well yeah but I, I, I think the assistant manager is there to assist the manager. He's, he's under the manager's control, whereas the director of football is actually above the manager. Mm. And I think a good assistant manager is, is there to be the, the little man on the shoulder to tell him, listen, hold on, uh, you, you may need to look at this, you may need to look at that. Uh, a, a, manager, a good assistant manager doesn't tell the boss everything he wants to hear. That that that's true, but not every assistant manager is a good assistant manager. A lot of them are just in it for a job. Correct. And there, there's plenty of you now. Poor always, ones. <laughs> I, I I go on about uh, egotistical footballers. You know, the managers are just just have as big egos today. And you now a lot of them, the likes of Mourinho, I doubt he he takes kindly to someone saying, "Here, see that player you signed? He is muck." Yeah. I, I doubt he takes very kind to that. So that's why I think a director well, of maybe, is. Maybe if he listened, huh? Maybe. Okay, listen, we're going to have to leave it there because we are out of time. Uh, thanks very much to Kieran Bork for coming on today and uh, giving a bit of his knowledge. Glenn, thanks again. Won't see you next week. No, no. You're off to Iceland. Okay, so uh, obviously going to see what their, their coach and network is like over there. Uh, we'll talk to you. Luke and Live is next.